You're listening to a message from CT College, the college ministry of Cross Timbers Church located in Denton, Texas. If you would like to learn more about us, visit crosstimberschurch.org slash college or follow us on Instagram at CT underscore college. Man, I love as we're singing these songs, if you're anything like me, that there's just specific lyrics that seem to kind of poke out at me and uh, begin to kind of minister to my heart and are encouraging to me and that we serve a God who is specific, who um, pays attention to detail, that there's not one of us who slips through the cracks. Um, And I'm so excited to introduce uh, our speaker tonight um, because through him, I have seen the detail of God. Um, Through him, I've seen his specific care for me. Um, Because for a lot of you, you know that, man, four and a half months ago, three days ago, my dad died suddenly. Um, And I'm so far away from home and feel alone a lot of the time. Um, No one who knows like what Georgia was like or what my time at the University of Georgia was like or what my experience at Dallas Seminary has been like and and what it's like to live in Texas and, and just feeling kind of isolated in that. Um, and then <laughs> from through some crazy circumstances, literally this guy comes and sits in the back of my classroom one day, randomly. And I introduce myself and find out that he went to the University of Georgia, was an orientation leader and worked at the visitor center just like I did. And then he moved from the university or from Georgia after he graduated and went to Dallas Theological Seminary, which is where I go to school and has the same favorite professors that I do. Um, and then he just happens to work at a church not even a mile away down the road um, in Denton, Texas. And so over the past couple of months, I mean, the faithfulness of God, right? Um, And so over the past couple of months, I have gotten the privilege of getting to know Andre Rose um, and getting to know his heart as he has invested in me and poured into me and our friendship has just kind of bloomed over this past couple of months. Um, And so I, there's really not anyone else I would rather introduce you guys tonight um, than this guy who loves the Lord, loves his wife, um, and is going to make a significant impact for the kingdom of God on planet earth in his lifetime. Um, So if you would, would you give a Cross Timbers College welcome to Andre Rose. I feel like, uh, I don't even know, that was like an amazing, <laughs> that's like the best introduction I've had in my entire life, uh, all 29 years of it. Well, hey, what's going on? Good to see y'all. Uh, yeah, that is exactly kind of how Cole and I met. It was random. I went to a class just because every now and again, not often, but uh, sometimes I have longings of what it was like to be in seminary, and so I trickled on down, down to Dallas and sat back in one of my favorite professor's classrooms, and all of a sudden... This guy who uh, is sitting in the middle of the classroom taking curious notes. If you know anything about Cole, he is an avid listener and a great student of God's word. And so uh, at the end of it, uh, my professor was like, yeah, Andre, you went to Georgia, that kind of thing. And I was like, yeah. And so then Cole and I connected and little did we discover that our lives are very similar in a lot of, a lot of ways, except he was really phenomenal at baseball. And uh, I can probably throw about 30 miles an hour of real talk. Like, it's, it's tough. Um, but yeah, just like Cole said, I uh, have the unique and distinct privilege of serving just down the street across uh, Carroll Boulevard at uh, the Village Church Denton. And uh, I uh, serve as what we like to call a pastoral resident. And so I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a little bit. But I'm sort of like a utility pastor. I kind of get to do a sort of an assortment of different things from serving in our student ministry and helping lead that in some significant ways to, uh, in, in a very real sense, uh, helping some of our, our, our young single men who are in our church learn what it looks like to walk with the Lord in a beautiful way that would demonstrate a faithfulness 
and a love for the Lord um, beyond anything else. And so uh, this fall, I started a, a discipleship kind of program, if you will call it that. I mean, it's we just meet together in my office on Sunday afternoons. We get to talk about the Bible and talk about life and, and all that fun stuff. And so, uh, like I said, Cole and I were talking, and, and, and really, uh, I think it was a God thing that we sort of connected because I think very strategically in Cole's life, it's just super helpful to have someone who's a little bit further down the road and has had some significant shared experiences. And so we'll get together every so often, and we'll get a chance to just talk about life and get to be um, be real with where we are before the Lord. And, and so if you hear one thing often throughout your Christian faith, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but uh, we'll go here. It's hey, that it's okay to not be okay, but it's, it's not okay to stay there, right? So we'll go through seasons in our lives where things are just not okay, and the Lord knows that, and he's big enough to handle that. And so uh, you can rest assured that you serve a God who is big and a God who is able to overcome anything that you're going through and is with you in the high moments of your life and the low moments of your life. And so uh, at Boca 31, right down there on, um, what is it? What is that road? Dallas Drive, is that what you call it? I don't know. Bell? Bell? Yeah, see, I still don't know. Uh, we got a chance to have some tacos, some empanadas, pork chili empanadas to be exact. If you don't know what those are, you haven't had them, you're missing out. Uh, you're not living your best life. So you should go over there and do that. Uh, and then he invited me to come speak, and here we are. And so uh, if you'll pardon me, I'm kind of having a bit of a midlife crisis. Uh, so two days ago, I turned 29, um, and, and so I'm kind of knocking on heaven's door, literally. I'm just kidding. Jerry Joyce back here. I, I now really feel awkward because I just met them, and I was like, I hope I look as good as you do. And now I'm talking about 30 as if I'm 80 years old. It's fine. No, I... Uh, but I'm really struggling because I'm thinking about my life that I've lived and everything up to this point. I'm going, hey, I'm, I'm about to be 30. Like, this is it. Like, when you tell somebody you're 29, they're like, yeah, you're hip, you're cool. You kind of know what's up. When you tell someone you're 30, it's like, bruh. Where were you at when I was born, right? Um, but anyway, it, it got me thinking about uh, just some of the things in my life. And, and the first thing, I'll just tell you, I remember uh, my first relationship I ever had in my entire life. And so as I was sort of playing out my life up to this point and everything that ha had gone on thus far, uh, I was reminded of uh, my first relationship I ever had. Um, and it was uh, all of six hours. Uh, yeah, that's right. I, uh, I think I could go down in the Guinness World Record book for having the shortest relationship of six hours. I was a sophomore in high school, and uh, I, I was really, really scrawny, still am scrawny. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not really all that strong, but much more scrawny or much higher of a voice than I was sort of a late bloomer uh, with puberty. But my friends uh, all had girlfriends at the time, and I was just sort of, uh, in my own mind, deemed undateable. And so uh, we were nearing our homecoming, uh, and on that Friday, we had our homecoming parade. That's right. Uh, I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, and luckily for us, we got to take a whole half day uh, and go outside and just watch a parade, like high school students building floats and stuff and going around a little circle. It was pretty lame, uh, but we got out of class. So it was really awesome at the same time. And I remember my friends going like, hey, man, you need to ask this girl out. Her name is Brittany. And I was like, who that? 
And they're like, you don't know, Britney's like super cool. And, and I knew Britney sort of, uh, but Britney and I, we weren't really good friends. We didn't roll in the same circles. I didn't really know much about her. And, and all I had was what my friends were telling me. They're like, Britney's really cool. You should ask her out. And I said, well, if you guys think it's a good idea, then I'll do it. Uh, and they're like, yeah, it's a great idea. Uh, so this was back before we had cell phones. And that was cool because I'm turning 20. Like, Golly. <laughs> Uh, so I wrote her a note at, uh, at 9 o'clock that morning, and I slipped in her locker, and I said, hey, Brittany, my name's Andre. You may have seen me, may not have, uh, but I want to I go out with you. Check yes or no, right? So she, real talk, this is it. She grabs the letter, uh, she checks yes, and she slips it back into my locker, and um, I read it at about 11 o'clock, and... Um, I'm like, oh, she said, yeah. I'm like, guys, she said, yes. We're at lunchtime, and they're like, Andre's got a girlfriend. Like, real mature, real mature for a 10th grader in high school. Uh, anyway, so, so I had a girlfriend. Her name was Brittany, and, and we went to the parade that started at noon, and then uh, we had our homecoming dance that, that evening. And so uh, we're at the homecoming parade, and um, <laughs> what I'm about to tell you is real, <laughs> so don't, don't judge me. We go to this parade, and we, we, we were standing next to each other, and we're sort of like celebrating all that stuff, and all of a sudden, I smell something, and it smells a little funny, and I'm thinking, I'm like, hold up, like, did I, no, I smell good, I put on Old Spice, that's where I live, you know what I'm saying, that pure sport, I'm ready to go, okay, feel good, I did the Axe Body Spray thing, I'm like, but something smells really off, and as soon as one of the floats came by, and they were throwing candy at us, uh, Brittany like throws her arms up for some candy, and all of a sudden, whoom, I'm overwhelmed with this uh, like mixture of rotten tomatoes, spoiled avocado, like, like three-day-old boiled egg kind of smell, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, hmm, Brittany, Brittany. But how do you tell somebody that, like, girl, <laughs> you stay? <laughs> so uh, I decided to just, like, cast it. I was like, oh, that's fine. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. Uh, well, four hours later, so at this point, we've been, we've been dating all of two hours, uh, we get to our homecoming dance. I don't have the courage. I don't have the courage to tell her anything. Like, I roll up with my homeboys, and I'm like, y'all, we got to talk. They're like, man, what happened? I was like, Brittany and I, we got to break up. They're like, for real? Like, you literally just asked her out like five hours ago. What are you talking about? I was like, bruh, she don't know what deodorant is, man. Like, I don't even know. And this is me in my immature stage of life, and it's okay. Lord has redeemed me. There's grace for me. If you're like this, grow up. Okay, listen, seriously. Uh, and so I said, guys, I can't do it. You got to tell her that I can't be with her. Uh, you can make it up. You can tell her that I got, uh, I don't know, uh, I got the itis. I'm about to die in like six months or something like that. I don't know. Uh, if you know what that is, you know where I'm at. And so they told her, and, and, and Brittany and I were no longer. Uh, but the Lord was so gracious to me uh, in that uh, that was when I was 15. So a good solid uh, 12 years later, I have the unique privilege of meeting the love of my life. And so she's not here, but there's a picture of her. So this is my wife. Her name is Kimberly. And uh, yes, come on. That's my girl. We, uh, we got married all of a year and four months ago, so I'm still trying to figure things out. Uh, I feel like I gave her a name upgrade. So my last name is Rose. And her last name is Smith. And so uh, Kimberly Smith, now it's Kimberly Rose. So she's like going to be a fashion designer now. She's a kindergarten teacher and she loves it. It's totally fine. Uh, but that's my, that's my wife. I love her. She's super great. And, and, and I tell you sort of this beginning story, uh, funny, uh, but I think a bit more serious because I think for all of us in the room at various points in our lives, we're thinking 
about maybe our first relationship or you're thinking about a relationship that you're in or you're thinking about a relationship that you want or one that you haven't had. And there's a, there's a growing need in each of us that we're sort of sensing in me sharing the story about me and Brittany and now me and my wife. It's like, it's the reality that within each and every one of us, there's a desire and there's a need for relationship. Like we need to be in relationship with someone, right? Whether it's our, our relationship with a mom or our, our dad or our brothers or sisters or boyfriend or girlfriend or friends or in a fraternity or a sorority or, or a club of sorts or, or a band or, or, or whatever you might have. You know, if you gather together, I learned that one thing in Denton you guys like to do, some of you, uh, uh, is to play Dungeons and Dragons. Any D&D people out there? I went and it is freaking awesome. So uh, if you have not played before... Um, I never did, and, and I'm learning a whole lot now. Uh, I'm way behind the eight ball, and so working on my character, thinking about it. But anyway, uh, we desire to be in relationships, and so if you think about all the way back to the beginning of the, uh, of the books of the Bible, right, in Genesis chapter one, right, we, we see Adam, and he's by himself, and then what happens, right? Uh, God comes and says, hey, man, it's not good for you to be alone, so I'm going to make someone suitable for you, right? And he makes Adam out of his Side, he makes Eve, and they enter into a relationship together, and, and they're husband and wife, and you get the whole bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, right? Uh, and, and you get this beautiful picture of what God has established for us to be in relationship with somebody. And not that this idea of marriage is the end goal, but rather the idea of being in relationship with people is a need that we have, that being alone is something that, that plagues us. And so when I think about you and I think about me, there's an underlying reality that there's a lot of things that connect us. But there's only one true thing that should connect all of us if we desire to be in a relationship together that really brings God glory. And we'll get to that in a second. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in two places. Everyone say two. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, and then we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, okay? So uh, Philippians chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 10, if you don't know where those are, they're going to be on the screen, but if you do have your Bible, it's in the New Testament, uh, both Philippians and Hebrews. Philippians is nestled right there. I believe it's uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, right there after Ephesians, Philippians is real short, then Galatians, if you've gone past Galatians, you've gone too far, and then Hebrews uh, comes right before James, okay? So you got... Uh, yeah, Titus and Philemon, right after Philemon, Hebrews, James, right? So there's a song I used to learn when I was a kid. I'll spare you it right now because my time is ticking away uh, of how I learned all the books of the Bible, and I suggest that you do it too. But before we get that, I want to tell you sort of really quickly uh, where we're headed. And, and the first thing that we're headed to is this, is that uh, uh, you and I, as we think about relationships, we want the world to revolve around us. Like, like you and I want the world to revolve around us. And, and in, in many of our lives, we desire to be at the center of that world, right? You want the world to be around you. And everything that you do is, is to make you better, to make you feel good, right? Think about the story of Adam and Eve, right? You remember that? Like God recognizes, hey, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. So I'm going to make a help before you, right? And so then Adam and Eve are kind of ruling and reigning in the garden, doing what they do best. And then out of nowhere, this serpent comes around and he says, hey, did God really say? And we think about this sin that Adam and Eve committed in eating this fruit and disobeying God. Like that is in and of itself heinous and horrible. But there's a greater sin underneath that that Adam and Eve fell into. And what was that? That they believed that God did not have their best interests at heart. That the creator, the sovereign creator of the universe did not have their best interests at heart. And therefore, because he didn't, they instead would decide who and what was going to be best for them. 
So you remember they eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then they're kicked out. And, and you might think uh, that, no, 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 not me. I, I, I trust that, 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 that God is good and that he's over my life. And yet, in every one of our lives, there are distinct moments where choices have been made for us or things have happened to us, and we feel like God is not around. And God does not have my best interests at heart, and I've got to be my own God. I've got to decide what is right for me. And interestingly enough, like you can't wait to get to college and like make all your decisions on your own, right? You get tired of your parents telling you eat your broccoli and your vegetables and go to class and go to school and stuff like that. And now you're here in college and many of you have no idea what you're doing. You're like, uh, I got to decide what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> yo fam, can I do that recreation ministry real quick? You know what I'm saying? Can I, right, right. I got changed my major five times in college before I realized that I didn't want to do what I graduated. Like I literally got a degree in kinesiology, not using it. Uh, and then decided to go to seminary for four years. It's tough. But here's the deal. We want the world to revolve around us. And then more specifically, uh, we want it to happen in our relationships. Like, like in every relationship we have, you and I want to rule and set the terms of that relationship. Based on the fact that uh, we enter into relationships with people who share the same ideas that we do. And there's some levity behind that. You want to be around people who like and do the same things that you do. You don't want to be someone who loves music, hanging out with someone who loves football. It's probably not going to mesh real well. You don't want to be someone who's sort of a vegetarian and you love steak. Like that's not going to be really great. One of you is going to be really hungry and the other one's going to be really angry, right? When it comes to eating, right? But, but, but more generally, we, we, we decide for ourselves that in our relationships, everything in the terms of those relationships revolve around us. And here's the deal. Beneath the facade of actually wanting things to revolve around you is the reality that you and I, like, we just want to be loved. Like, can I just get real for a second? There was a real moment in my life where I, where I thought that I was absolutely unlovable. That, that nobody, not my parents, not my brothers, not my friends, like, like nobody loved me. And it was really sobering to come to the conclusion my sophomore year in college where I'm going, like, like does anybody love me? Does anybody, does anybody care about me? Does anybody see me for who I am? And the desire to be loved leads us to do all kinds of crazy things. And so if you're in on the whole like cool Apple game, um, selfies became popular in 2013. And, and anybody got an iPhone 10? Uh, anybody? Uh, yeah, it's okay. Be a hey girl. It's all right. Be proud that you you got that. You know what I'm saying? I'm on that ultra lean budget. You know what I'm saying? So can't drop like eight billion dollars on your phone. But if you want that plan, girl, you can pay it off in like ten years. You're totally fine. Uh, still paying on my iPhone 8. It's great. Uh, but they released a video back in like 2016 in lieu of the. the iPhone 10. And I want to show you just one of them because my time is going. So just show the first one. This is a video that came out in light of like the iPhone uh, 10 coming out. Here it goes. Check it out. Boom. I am the greatest. Yeah. I'm going to become champion of the universe. Me with my beautiful, colorful personality. I'm good looking, clean living, culture, and I am modest. I am so modest I can admit my own fault. My only fault is I don't realize how great I really am. Because I am great. I am the greatest. It's 
awesome and that I, I really love uh, this commercial for two reasons. One, uh, I, I think that the, the greatest uh, boxer of all time, right? Come on, can I get an amen on that, right? The narrative, I love it. But, but beyond that, like, that's, the, that's the narrative of our culture. I am the greatest. I am this, I am that, I am, I am awesome. And the way I'm gonna show you that I'm awesome is I'm gonna take a really dope picture of myself and I'm gonna post it on a social media platform and then I'm gonna stare and wait and see how many people agree with me. And if not everybody agrees with me, then I'm going to feel some kind of way. And, and if not enough people agree with me, then I'm going to post another one or fix it. Or if the people who I thought would agree with me and like my status don't like my status, well, I ain't going to like your status. Anybody been a, been a, like a victim of like hate? You know what I'm saying? Like you don't like your friend's picture and like I'm blocking you forever, right? Um, and so what, what's at the basis of this? What's at the basis of this? And this is my second point. It's, it's that we are about self-promotion selfishness and pride that are rooted deeply within us. So not only like, do we want the world to revolve around us and it comes out of this desire to be loved, but really it's because within our heart, deep within our heart, there's self-promotion, selfishness and pride that are rooted within us, right? That was what was in Adam and Eve's heart when they looked at the tree and they saw the fruit and they said, I want that because God doesn't know what's best for me and I know what's best for me. And so of course, uh, and now we're going to get to the text. We're going to see this in Philippians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, open up Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. And this is what Paul writes. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So so Paul's writing a letter to the Philippians. In the previous chapter, Paul just kind of laid out the basis for why he's alive. It's in in Philippians chapter one, I think verses 11 and following, you get to live as Christ to die as gain, right? Paul is saying, hey, hey, if if my life would count for anything, I want it to count for Christ and nothing else. And, And if that was not my life, then you better put me in the ground and kill me because I'd rather not live. And so what is he addressing? Well, he's addressing the reality that for the Philippian church, it became less and less about how they lived their lives and demonstration of the gospel and who Jesus was, and it was all about them. And so in chapter 2, verse 3, he says, hey, hey, you've been doing a lot of things in some unhelpful manners with selfishness and and pride and uh, self-promotion at at the forefront, and I'm asking you in chapter 3 to do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourself. And so what is Paul saying? Well, he's saying, hey, look at your brother and your sister. Look at those around you who are in need and, and, and serve them. Not in a way that you're going, hey, look, I served you. Like, look at me, I'm serving, I'm super cool, I'm awesome, praise me. But I have a real desire to see Christ in them, glorified and magnified. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, Andre, what in the world does any of this have to do with relationships? Trust me, I'm getting there. It's going to be great. Just hang on. Hold on to your hats. But what is he not saying? So Paul's not saying something in here, right? He's not saying have a a low view of yourself so much so that, that you could care less about anything that's going on in your life or anything that's happening, and you just give yourself over to everything and everyone, because in the end, if you're living and ministering and loving out of an empty well, you're doing no good. 
He's not saying that, but what he is saying is he's saying out of a love for God, out of a reality for what Christ has done in you, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. And and here's the hinge point. It's in the humility. Everyone say humility. You see, I think humility is something that uh, is hard to understand because it's so lost on our generation and our culture. Like nobody is shouting from the rooftops, be humble. Like that's the way to go. Nobody is saying that at all. Nobody is going, hey, you're getting brownie points and likes for how humble and how low you can be. No, you're, you're, you're trying to promote yourself and be this person and make your life matter so that when you get to the end of your life, you can look back on everything that you've done and go, hey, I'm here and all this has been super awesome and my life is significant. Nobody is preaching humility, but what Paul is saying to the Philippians, he's saying in humility, count yourself less significant than others. And humility is something that we, we try to get, right? Like we strive to, to, to sort of become in our lives. And the reality is, is for us, as it relates to our relationships, humility is not something that you can strive at getting. It's something you become. And it's something you become when you realize whose you belong to. And so this begins uh, my third point, leading to my final one. It's this, is that pursuing faith in Christ calls us to consider the needs of others over ourselves. Verse 4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul is encouraging the Philippians to walk in this humility. He's encouraging them to walk in this disposition, becoming humble, such that when you would engage in the relationships that you're in, you would live the life that you live, people would see Christ in you. And so how does that play into our relationships? Well, very easy. Litmus test. Ask yourself this question. Am I walking, walking humbly in this relationship? Be it with your friends. Am I seeking to, to put my friends above myself? Am I seeking to point my brothers in Christ towards the Lord? Am I seeking to point my sister in Christ towards the Lord? Am I seeking to, to point my boyfriend or my girlfriend in my relationship to the Lord and walking humbly with them? Or am I uh, kind of turning uh, the relationship on myself and I'm making demands of everyone around me and saying, hey, it's not about you and it's not about what Christ is doing in you, but it's about me. And see, friends, hear me. We desire to be loved. We desire to be known. We desire to be, to, to, to be in relationship but the relationship is not on our terms. The relationship is not on our terms. You guys are going, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, most specifically, when we look at the end of Philippians chapter 2, particularly, actually not at the end, right after verse 4, this is what, this is what Paul writes in verse 5. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You see, you're not the deciding factor for the relationship. The deciding factor for the relationships that we're in is on the basis of Christ Jesus. And the question I wanna ask us for us tonight is, is what are you basing your relationship on? Are you basing it on how attractive you are or how unattractive you are? Are you basing it on your, your, your age in life? You're realizing, like, I'm getting older, and so I need to start figuring this thing out, or I'm going to die alone. 
Are you basing this on the reality that you're unlovable or that you're not worth anything and so you're just going to give yourself to whatever relationship you can possibly find because you're not worth anything beyond uh, the, the, the meaning and menial and insignificant relationships of people using and abusing you? Like, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You see, when you consider that it is in terms of what Christ has done for you and what Christ has made you, you'll clearly see what the purpose of a relationship is. So Paul is talking to the Philippians about how to live their lives on mission for Christ, more specifically for us here in Denton. Students, your role in a relationship is to make much of Christ. It's in every relationship that you enter into, in every friendship that you have, and and whomever you're dating or whomever you're married to, it's to make much of Christ. Relationships, we get them backwards. They're not to serve us. They were never meant to serve us. Relationships are not not meant to give you a a boost of self-esteem. Relationships are not to be that that, that quick fix to the sin struggle in your life, be it lust or your poor self-worth. Relationships were never meant to, 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 to give you security. No, relationship, back in Genesis, was created for the glory of God. The relationships we enter into are not for ourselves, but are for Christ. So as you think about your relationships that you're in, maybe you're dating somebody, maybe you're not dating somebody, Maybe you want to date somebody. Maybe you just got out of a relationship and you're trying to figure out what all this means. Ask yourself this question. When I was in whatever relationship I was in, was it pushing me closer to Christ? And was I pushing the other person closer to Christ? Or was this relationship pulling me away from Christ? And was this relationship clouding out my judgment and, and preventing me from seeing, from seeing who Christ really is. What about your friendships? We're not just specifically talking about dating here, which I think is uniquely significant in your stage of life, of course. We're talking about friendships. We're talking about friends that you have, friends that should be in this room that you feel like you can't invite because, man, if they really got the sense that you know, you're a believer and that you're really passionate about your faith in Jesus, they might just like kick you to the curb, right? Friends that you're going, yeah, no, no, no. I, like, like when I'm with these guys, I'm like this. You know, like I'm down with the homies. But then when I'm with these guys, I'm like, hallelujah. Like, like you're, you're sort of code switching as a Christian. You're, you're, you're being one way with these people and yet these people who you are around and you can talk the high holy language with, you're, you're engaging in that way. No, 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 no. There's no disconnect in the relationships that we're in because every relationship that we're in, if I can drill one thing home for you, every relationship that we're in is for us to make much of Christ. And so how then do we do it? Very practically, Root yourself in Christ. Everyone say, root yourself in Christ. Say it like you mean it. Root yourself in Christ. Thank you. That's awesome. Hebrews 10. We'll have to flip over here. Hebrews 10, 22 through 24. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider 
how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The, the writer of Hebrews, he's unknown. We don't know who he is. Some people think it's Paul. Some people think it's some other random person. But whomever it is is saying, hey, you want to know what binds us together? It's our confession in Christ. That you and I would hold fast to the confession that we have in Christ. What is that confession? Well, this confession is this, is that Jesus is Lord. And that he came and he lived a sinless life. And he died on a cross for you and for me so that we might have a restored relationship. Jesus' work on the cross completely transformed and flipped on its head everything that happened back when Adam and Eve sinned against God and broke the relationship. And we get to uh, thousands of years later where, where Christ is dying on a cross for us. And why is he doing it? Because he knows that we have a longing to be in relationship. We were made to be in relationship. But the relationship was never on our terms. The relationship is always and will forever be about how we can make much of Christ, both in our lives and in those we're in relationship with. And so then he tells us how to do it. He says, we'll stir up another to good works. Meet together often. Encourage one another. You ask yourself these questions. Well, when I'm hanging out with a particular person I'm in a relationship in, whether it's my boyfriend, girlfriend, my friends, my sorority sisters, my fraternity brothers, are we doing good works? And not just like, oh, we're going to the soup kitchen and doing things. Like, like no, are you, are, you, are you thinking good thoughts? Are you faithfully and ferociously pursuing the Lord? And this isn't to heap shame on you. This is just to really ask you a question. Are you encouraging one another? Is your relationship built on, hey, let's encourage each other? Or is it built on, I gotta come with the joke because I know if, I don't, if, if I'm not ready, like I'm gonna get made fun of and then I'm gonna be the one looking stupid. Like I don't wanna look stupid, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna think about what I'm gonna say and I'm ready to go. Like that was my, that was my friends in high school. Like we, we had like what we call climbing Fridays and like you better make sure like you were on point with your jokes because someone's gonna get you and it just wasn't great. And then, and then most significant, are you meeting together often? And this isn't just like, yeah, hey, we're hanging out. Like, I live with this guy. Like, this is my, no, like, are you meeting together around the scriptures and God's word for mutual building up and edification? I, as I look across the room, I'm really uniquely grateful that, that, that you guys are here. Because just by even being in this room on a Monday night, you're saying that there is, there is little else in the world that's really important to me right now than, than being among other people who hold fast to the same confession that I have. And these people who are in this room, I desire to be in relationship with however it works, like not trying to start some like intentional dating thing here. So like, don't mishear that. But hey, if you find your wife or your husband, hey, like, you know, <laughs> glad to do that. Uh, but, but for real, on, on a real note, like you're gathering together with people who hold fast to the same confession that you have, that believe the same things that you do, that desire that you walk in those things no less. And I think when it's all said and done, I, I breezed over it, but I, 
but I breezed over it really quickly because I think it lands here. We root ourselves in Christ. Friends, you will find that there is a love for you that no boyfriend, no girlfriend, no husband, no wife, no father, no mother, no sister, no brother could ever give you. And that's the love of Christ. If you flip back over to Philippians 2, verse 5 says, have this mind among yourselves which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 6 says, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. Death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at this name, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Listen, there is a love for you that Christ has given you that no power in, uh, on earth or under earth, no power of hell, no scheme of Satan, no scheme of man can ever destroy for you. And when you you discover and realize that you are loved and you are loved in Christ, when you have that reality wash over you, my gosh, relationships, they're easy. But if you're, if you're over here trying to make a relationship work on your terms, you're going to be forever left wanting something that the relationship's not going to give you. Ladies, if I could just speak to you particularly for a second. You are and will forever be loved by your creator in heaven through Christ Jesus who has empowered you with the Holy Spirit with good gifts to sow into the kingdom for the benefit of his body and for the glory of of God our Father. And so no man, no man can ever give you that. When I married my wife a year and four months ago, I was not her knight in shining armor. And I, and I told her, I said, Kim, I'm going to let you down. I'm going to let you down often. If there's one thing I'm going to try to do my hardest is to demonstrate the love of Christ to you in a way that helps you see that you are loved by him far more than you could ever be loved by me. And men in the room, the women are not just someone that you can have as like a trophy to show off to your homeboys or to your friends or your family. It's your sister in Christ, a child of God, created in his image. So feel the weight of that. Feel the weight of of knowing that there's there's a love here that Christ has given, not just the women in the room, but you as well, but a love that we ought to emulate. Feel that. So relationships should never be about you. Relationships should always be, forever be, about making much of Christ. He emptied himself. 
God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, with all power, emptied himself and went to a cross, receiving a crown of thorns and people mocking and spitting on him and saying, hey, if you are God, save yourself. No doubt he could. But what kept him on the cross was the reality that he loved you more than anything. So root yourself in Christ. Let the love of Christ wash over you. And as the the band comes here in in a second, I want us to think of a few things. Do Do you know this love? Do you know this love? To the degree that that you realize that, oh, I'm in Christ. Like, oh, I know this love because because I believe uh, in the confession of my faith. I'm holding fast to that confession that we read in Hebrews, right? That, That Jesus is Lord. And if you don't know this love, if you've never experienced this love, there are some folks here who would love more than anything to show you the love of Christ. Do you know this love? Second question, you might know this love. You you might have experienced this love. Is that evident in the relationships that you have? Is that evident in the relationships that form and shape your life? Because if that is the case, well, praise be the name of the Lord. But if it's not, the, the best thing that I could tell you is whatever relationship you're in, it's not good for you. Of course, there's some that we can't sort of break out of. They're a little bit more complicated, like family relationships and things like that. I'm, I'm more specifically talking about dating relationships. People at my church have now sort of deemed me the kiss of death because I like enter into a relationship. I'm like, y'all need to break up. <laughs> That's just what needs to happen right now, right? But I've also like had the privilege of like helping people come in together and find love, like little cupid's arrow. So like I, I feel like I play both sides of the coin. But, but, no, but no, for real. It's like, do you need to break up? And if you do, do that because there's a there's a love that's greater than any relationship that allows you to post some really fun status update that people can like and go, yeah, that's cool, or some picture you can take out at a pumpkin patch, picking pump, I don't know, uh, sitting by the fire, you can, don't sit by the fire. Uh, and then finally, have you immersed yourself in this love? My prayer tonight will be that we would just do that. I did not plan it, I I promise. This is where I was going to end, and they have a really, uh, I believe, helpful song to help us enter into this love that Christ has for us. And so my prayer for us tonight, as we worship the Lord in song in this moment, and then as we go out of these doors and there's things that are out there for us to hang out with and connect with, that you would just begin to immerse yourself in the love of God that knows no bound. The love that emptied himself on a cross to the point of death for you, such that you might and I might be in the most significant relationship we could ever be in, a relationship with our Creator. So we worship, let this wash over you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word.
and how good it is to remind us in the moments and in the spaces of our lives where we need to be reminded that you, oh God, through your son Jesus, have loved us. You have, through our confession of faith in Jesus, empowered us with your Holy Spirit to be that for others. So Father, I pray that we would do nothing out of selfish ambition or uh, conceit, but in humility consider others more important than ourselves. And Father, I pray that we would, in the same way, reflect what Christ has done for us and our relationships with others. God, would you embolden us and empower us to, as the writer of Hebrews says, hold fast our confession, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another and stirring up another to good works. Because it's all about your glory. It's all about your honor. It's all about making much of you. And so, Father, I pray that we would do that. So, Father, we we, we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name.